Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good afternoon and welcome to the third of our World Cup 2022 podcast, just about still suitably named Never Write Off the Germans. My name is Ashley Blaker and you can think of me as the Gareth Southgate of podcasts. I have some really talented guests who I could use, but I'm not going to bring them on the show. (laughs) That joke doesn't actually work because I've got three phenomenally funny people with me to, uh, to quiz about the last few days of World Cup action. First of all, an award-winning director and content creator, host of the Life Goals podcast, co-host of the Spurs show, so a Tottenham fan, Theo Delaney. Good afternoon, Theo. Good afternoon. Uh, Secondly, a brilliant comedian who has appeared on everything from Richard Osman's House of Games to Celebrity Pointless, Crystal Palace supporter, Chloe Petz. Hello, Chloe. Hello. Thanks for having me. And finally, an old friend of mine, a a stand-up, a a former third of the award-winning We Are Clang writer of the Russell Howard Hour, among many other TV shows, Steve Paul. Greetings, Steve. Hello. Hello, Steve. Uh, now, if, you, if you've not heard the show before, uh, very simple. There's going to be six clips, two each, with a halftime break in between. Hopefully, we'll get through most of the big stories along the way uh, since our last our last podcast was uh, on Tuesday, a week ago. So in the last six days, quite a lot has happened. So first of all, Theo, uh, this is for you. What is going on here? What we're going to do when we get to Brazil, we can forget it. We might as well go on now. Probably the most boring game I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I mean, it didn't really look like we tried to win, but you know, it's all for the taking the last game in it. So you can't win a World Cup doing nil nil. No chance now. Nil nil against them. No chance. Too defensive. Too defensive. Should have got more attacking. Made his changes too late. Made his changes too late. Well, Theo, that, that is quite confusing for you, Theo, because I mean. I was going to ask you what country supporters were talking there, but it is confusing because they were sober, relatively articulate, and no one had a fireworks stuff up their anus. Um, but yeah. from that, you might be able to guess who supporters that was. You, yeah, you used the word relatively, I would say relatively sober, 
and relatively articulate. In actual fact, um, that was obviously England supporters knowing far better than Gareth Southgate how to play football in the World Cup, knowing when to make substitutions, knowing what strategy to employ, what tactics to employ, when foolish old Gareth Southgate and his team of coaches and experts and sports scientists and all the rest of it uh, haven't got a clue compared to them. Yeah. Are you are you part of the kind of get Foden on from the start brigade or Grealish or what about Trent as well? Because even, well, even Gary, Gary Neville, who previously has been saying Trent shouldn't go to the World Cup, even he's now changed his tune and saying, let get him on. Well, I, mean, I don't think uh, Trippier's done much wrong. The, the thing is, you get a squad, you know, for... Well, this is probably the best squad we've ever had in terms of, you know, depth throughout the squad. And, of course, you, you can't play them all. And, you know, you know, Saka's great. Everyone loves Saka. Everyone loves Rashford. Everyone loves Grealish. Everyone loves Sterling. Everyone loves Kane. And, and Trippier's playing really well. Walker's fit again. You can't play them all. And, and what's hilarious is you win the first game 6-2 and everyone thinks we're going to win the World Cup. You draw the second game 0-0. And Southgate's too defensive. He's picking all the wrong players. I just think you have to... The scrutiny of every single uh, game in international football, especially in the World Cup, is so ridiculous. And everybody's so wise after the event. You've got to say, this manager is the most successful manager we've ever had outside of Alf Ramsey. And uh, even he didn't get to the last four, two tournaments in a row. And um, I think you've just got to go. You've got to trust him, haven't you? I mean, he's not, he's, his record is excellent. And of course, you could say Foden should start, but you're only saying that because we just drawn—you know—people are saying that because we just drawn nil-nil. They weren't saying it after the first game. And to be honest, I'd be more than happy to go nil-nil through the whole tournament and just um, win on penalties. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's one of those. Totally. Things I don't really care how we play. I just care if we get through. And it's been very functional in the Euros and the World Cup. And you know what? Like, I'm worried that I've got a sort of a very negative philosophy. But my favourite Crystal. Palace managers have been Roy Hodgson and Sam Allardyce. So I think I'm just, yeah. a, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a suck it up, knock it long kind of guy. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy. Play, um, you know, play Jordan Henderson at right wing and Calvin Phillips at left wing. And um, I don't know, stick, stick um, one of the centre-backs up top. As long as we win it, I'm happy. We, the only thing I, 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 I... I feel we're going to be here all day if if I if I go down this route. But I was a, I feel I have to pick up Theo on on saying this is the best squad we've ever had. Really? I mean, we once went to a World Cup with like centre back Sol Campbell, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, and Jamie Carragher. Like, really? This is really the best squad we've squad, ever had. Though, squad. Well, even, even yeah, so. it's the best squad. You've really? actually picked the, the only area of weakness where you picked the one set of centre-backs that is a really good centre-back from a pre, uh, set of centre-backs from the previous squad. We are granted uh, weak there, man for man. Although, remember, we've got a, a defence that has played together a lot. And in international football, that's quite a rare thing when you think about it. But this defence, although you might say uh, individually they're not super top class, um They've got a lot of games together as a unit. And, you know, they look pretty solid so far. So, yeah, and then in the squad, in the attacking players, we've never had so many top, top-class attacking players, touch players, midfield players. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of attacking midfielders, I grant you that. I mean, in Euro 96, though, you had Shearer, Sheringham, Fowler, Les Ferdinand on the bench. You had Collymore, Andy Cole, Ian Wright, not even in the squad. I mean, surely that's like, what, what about that for strength and depth? 
Yeah, but where was the class and the touch in the midfield and everything? There was there was hardly anything. I mean, this is a this is a technically. I, I would say let me uh, maybe I should say technically for passing sure. attacking midfielders for sure. Yeah, for technical players, I think this is technically. Let me let me. Uh, you forced me to qualify my statement, <laughs> and I would say for technical prowess and ability. Because in those days, even in those days in Euro '96. We had good players, yeah. We had a lot of good strikers. You've picked the squad with the, a load of good strikers, then you picked the squad with a load of good centre halves. But this squad has got good players pretty much throughout. And even in the days when we were quite good in the nineties, we got to the semi final in ninety nine. We were always it was accepted by us and everyone else that technically we were a notch below the top teams. And now, because of the way trainings change in this country and the you know foreign coaches, foreign players, we're technically as good. And because we're a big footballing country, that stands to reason we're going to have a really you know I think our squad now can stand against all the other good squads. And um, is, is that because like the grass the changes at grassroots levels that we're now getting more players? coming through yeah, I think so but I think it's more that this is the first generation that we're seeing that have like idolised the likes of like you know Spain Brazil like do, do you know what I mean because the game's more international now it feels like we we haven't got the sort of bread and butter meat and veg kind of players we've got the players that they're getting they want to pick up the ball in tight spaces and turn and everyone can do that now the touch the touch like across the whole of the Premier League is outstanding. And I yeah. think you're seeing that at the top of the game now where everyone can do that little, tiny little in- interplay. And when it goes off, as we saw against Iran, it was brilliant. But then yeah. obviously there, for every Iran with England, there's a USA. Mm. Well, fair enough. Yeah. I seem I feel like 1990. I mean, again, I was very young, so I might, might be misremembering. But in the group stages in 1990, wasn't that a concern? That obviously we we now remember it pretty fondly, but we weren't scoring goals. You know, we were terrible, absolutely useless, <laughs> useless in that group stage. Useless yeah. against Ireland, useless against Ipswich. Uh, it's not Ipswich, Ireland, uh, uh, Egypt. That's it. Sounds a bit like Ipswich. And, I, um, you know what, yeah, and then the, the game against Holland, where we drew, we thought that was an enormous achievement. Uh, Gaza did one trick and we didn't lose against Holland. It was like, wow, because Holland, of course, was so much more technically accomplished. Then we stumbled through. I mean, we, beat, we, we were lucky to beat Cameroon, if you remember. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was all going Pete Tong against Cameroon until they gave away two stupid penalties. I now feel that there is a movie to be made, though, about the times that by some weird accident, Ipswich ended up in the... At one point, it was a country. It's made to victory, too. Bobby Robson (laughs) Ipswich to the World Cup. Um, All right, let's move on. Uh, Chloe, um, here's your clip. Uh, What moment is this? So that was the an end of a game, um, and it's all over for a certain team. Yes, I think. God, I've watched so much World Cup that it's all blending blended into one. So I can see the goal, but I can't put the players or the colours of the shirts in place. Is it? Is it? Is it around Wales? It is Iran Wales. It's right. They let in two late goals, didn't they? It was right, and it was a very, it was a very um, eventful end of a match with another, yeah. another extraordinarily long uh, injury time. I am. Um, I, I I do have to say, obviously, 
we should support the home nations, etc. But I was on a show with Robbie Savage last week and was present in his company for him saying it's only Iran. And um, so there was a certain sort of um, smug laughter that I did as that as that goal hit the back of the net. And yeah, I, I, I just thought they were a bit, they were completely spineless and just a little... I think what's been, what's got them through World Cups before, not World Cups before, sorry, what got got them through sort of tournaments and games before is obviously the quality of Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale, and then just like relying on some pacey players to get them up the field on the counter attack. But Dan James was pretty ineffective at that. Um, and yeah, I, I just think they look like a championship team, and those players that are world class that have been taking them through games before just haven't showed up because they're too old and they're past it now. Um, there's not really, I mean, there isn't probably, let's be honest. Is there a single, I mean, I know we've got the greatest England squad of all time, but what? either way, there's not a single Welsh player who'd get anywhere near the England squad, is there? Surely not. No, I don't think so now. I'm just trying I mean, to... They were five years ago, maybe. Yeah, not they, well, they look knackered. They just look, like you say, they look old, they look knackered. They look so, you know, I think England, if England looked a bit leggy against America, I don't, Christ knows how, what they described them. They looked... They look broken. Yeah, the point where Wayne Hennessy forgot what sport he was playing. Oh, oh! As, as a Palace fan, um, I've gone through that a lot. Um, the the uh, <laughs> oh, oh, look, Hen- oh, Hennessy's had a brilliant game. Oh, oh, now he's been sent off in the final minute. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, great. Well done, Wayne. Yeah, um, they, they were they were shockingly poor. I feel I don't want to upset anyone. I we we. I know a few very, very, including Ellis James, very passionate Welsh supporters who must be terribly upset about this, but they were shockingly poor. Did you, did you see Sky uh, trying to interview fans as they were leaving the stadium? So they were interviewing them live. And uh, one Sky reporter, he said, he said to someone, so uh, your reaction to the win? Uh, and the bloke went, well, it was a, we didn't win, we lost. And then he moved on to someone else and went, uh, so your response to the loss? And the bloke just went, shit. And then they, <laughs> they rapidly realised that this was a bad idea for an outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did anyone see that footage of the Welsh and English fans in Tenerife? Well, it was extraordinary. I mean, that is, that is, uh, you, you saw that, Chloe, Steve, is fighting. Yeah, uh, mesmerising. That must be sort of a record for like how many days out of a game that the fans start fighting, right? Well, yeah. Save it for the day, boys. Come on. It's just like they there's there's so many wonderful moments in it, and I I've seen so much analysis of it on Twitter of people. There's the guy who takes his shirt off and he's think he's doing the kind of Hulk Hogan kind of pose down. He's actually get involved. There's another one bloke who seems to help his mate up, but then decks him. There's another <laughs> bloke. Who's just walking around with a chair on his head? It's uh... and do you know what? As as much as I am, you know, probably the best footballing experience I've ever had in my life was watching the Lionesses last summer. I did miss that. Yeah, the violence. Yeah, yeah, the violence. Oh exactly. yeah, the the, exactly. the passion, the violence, the uh, the punching your mate in the head. Exactly. Football, women's football will only know it's really arrived when someone is walking around with like a, a chair on their head. And and uh, doing the pose down. Well, so. thank God for the now very famous Jill Scott. Or at least we had her saying, you know, saying very clearly, "Fuck off, you fucking prick!" To one of the German players. Yeah. yeah. So at least we had a bit of aggro on the pitch. Right. But yeah. uh, no, it's high time we had aggro off the pitch in women's football. Definitely. 
<laughs> he would say it to Matt Hancock at some point because it was such yeah. a. That's what, I you, that's what I thought you were going to say. Uh, all right. Well, Steve, here's uh, time for your clip. Have a listen to this. It's quite a short one. Have a listen to this. It's, it's. I presume that's Messi's goal. It is Messi, unless uh, unless David Blaine turned up unexpectedly in a box. <laughs> great Brendo Jeffrey Durham did a did a surprising turn at the Argentina game. Um, the, the, I mean, the, yeah. So what do you? I mean, it's an interesting World Cup to actually. So only I think Brazil and um, France are the only two teams who've actually won their first two games. So everyone seems to be having one game on, one game off. But. Um, this was like Messi's redemption after yeah. that. And again, obviously, it's 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 often said, you know, lots of teams get through. You know, lots of teams who go on to win have blips to begin with, and end up end up losing cheap games. You know, their fir- the first game is losable, and then they can still go on to win it. Um, you know, to uh, to misuse the phrase, you can never write off the Argentinians. There's no way Argentina are winning this World Cup. I don't no think so. Who 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 do you fancy at the moment? France, France, and Brazil. I mean, Argentina, Argentina are like a posh Wales, aren't they? They're like <laughs> basically relying on two or three. I mean, even Di Maria's thirty three, and Messi's yeah. like what thirty five, thirty six. Well, the extraordinary thing with Messi, the really extraordinary thing, and I don't think this has been written about enough. So they've it's been reported that he's about to join Inter Miami. Miami, yeah, yeah. But that what hasn't really been talked about the uh, the fact that Messi, possibly the greatest player of all time, is going to be coached by Phil Neville. <laughs> that yeah. is extraordinary. That he would, have, yeah, you you know, what does Phil Neville tell Lionel Messi? What what possible uh, what possible advice can he impart? I like the idea of Phil Neville in an interview saying, "Yeah, I really feel I can improve his game. There are things I can impart that can really, you know." make him a better player. I like that um, Phil Neville said, basically intimated intimated that he didn't want to coach women because he wanted something better and now he's at Inter Miami. Hmm. Well, well, that I was about to say no slight to Inter Miami, but um, that was very much a slight to Inter Miami. I can't even cover that one up. Yeah. I mean, was he, was he, was he a good manager of, um, when he was in charge of England? No, no. I feel like it was like one of those things where it was like um, a high profile signing that, you know, he wouldn't have got the equivalent job in the men's game. It felt like a bit of a sort of, he he only got it because he was a big name in the men's game. And then now we've seen what what the Lionesses can do under an elite level manager. Um, Yeah, I think it was really quite, it stagnated us for a lot of years. Yeah. There you go. Let's. It will be interesting to see whether he. I would say stagnate. Whether, Messi. whether he can bring on Messi or not. <laughs> um, okay. Well, at the end of that, uh, it's time for a very quick message from our sponsors. We'll be back in a minute. Get all the latest World Cup headlines and bite-sized opinion on the World Cup Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith and a rotating lineup of contributors from the world of football and entertainment as they dissect all the big talking points in one small package. Whether it's bringing you reaction to the games, fallout from a bad managerial decision, or just the latest scandal to engulf the host nation, the World Cup Whistleblowers Daily Podcast will be covering it concisely every weekday of the tournament. 
Search for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Never Off the Germans is brought to you by my diesel claim. Over a million people have put their trust in them. That's more than 10 sellout crowds at Wembley. If you owned or leased a diesel vehicle between 2009 and 2020, you could be entitled to significant compensation. It's free to sign up and you can check your vehicle's eligibility instantly. Join millions of other football fans and visit mydieselclaim.com today or click the link in this podcast show description. Now you can be part of the podcast during the World Cup by getting in touch with us about anything interesting or entertaining that you've seen via our Facebook page or Twitter account at NeverWriteOff. But in the meantime, let's crack on with the second trio of clips. No numbers this week. Instead, it's just three more clips. So uh, they're actually a little bit harder, these ones. So, um, Theo, what is going on in this clip here? Well, all I can do there is have a wild guess because there's absolutely no clue in any of the words I heard there. There actually but, was. There was. Well, there was. okay. I think I may have heard one word that may be a clue. Yes. Is that Qatar scoring their goal? No, no. Oh. Anyone else want to? Um, well, I presume is, it, is that Japan getting the winner against Germany. It is. It is Japan. The word Nippon was in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed it. I thought he said Qatar. I initially was imagining it was someone commentating on the fight in Tenerife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is, um, yeah, Japan. It, it said, you know, I was saying about, um, you know, this world, strange World Cup. Some people are saying it's a World Cup of upsets, but it's, it's, it's not. It's a World Cup of just remarkable inconsistency. Maybe because no one they've been together for such a short amount of time, like only a you know like a week each, basically the the teams, whereas they're normally together a month. Because no one seems to be able to put string together two decent performances. Japan, that was absolutely extraordinary, beat Germany two one, and then they lose to Costa Rica, who just lost seven nil to Spain. Yeah, absolutely bizarre. I I like to think that at least some of that commentary was the Japanese commentator taunting Rudiger for his ridiculous. Uh, did you see the run he did where he was impersonating a sort of wounded deer? Oh, what was it? A, a duck? He sort of does a Ministry of Silly Walk style prance. Like he's he's running he's running someone out for a court, so, so it's going to go for a goal kick. And he he does a, a, a he's he seemingly deliberately does a very mocking run. I kind of liked it. I quite liked it because I feel like um a a, a run an underused tactic in football is like making your opponent like stopping their tracks because they're going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I remember um, Yannick Balassi 
when he used to take on players, what he'd do is he'd like put his hand on the floor next to the ball and people would be going, what's your hand doing down there? And then he'd just knock it past them. So I think, yeah, dazzle your opponent a little bit more by being absolutely mental. Well, yeah, look, I don't speak Japanese. I, I would, I like to think that part of that commentary was him just going, Angela Merkel, the scorpions, can you hear me? <laughs> That's what I, I, I could feel that every commentary should be like that, basically, when, once it's translated. And do we, Germ- I mean, Theo, Germany, do you have a... a um, are you, would you would you enjoy would you take Schadenfreude? I suppose they've invented the word for us uh, in Germany going out. If they do, always, always. I mean, I was actually said to my brother we were, yesterday. I said, I know it's not very fashionable anymore, but I really, really want the Germans to lose. He said, Oh no, I, I am the same because in the last few tournaments, it's no longer that it's no longer the thing that we want Germany to lose. It seems, but for me, I can't. I just can't shake that desire off. I want to see them lose. Ideally, I like them to be humiliated. And we, I can remember, you know, it's like in a little hall of fame. To me, I mean, I'm a Tottenham fan. So to me, Germany are the arsenal of uh, international football. I remember uh, with great joy all their most awful moments. You know, when they got knocked out by South Korea, I remember where I was and everything and, and the feeling of it. I remember when Croatia knocked them out in that quarterfinal quite unexpectedly, things like that. I'd like to see them go out. Having said that, I think they're quite good. They've got that. They've got some good players. That young cut, that young kid, is absolutely phenomenal, isn't he? The one that should have played for England. Well, they, they, yeah, they look. Well, it's still going to be touch and go. I don't. I mean, this isn't the time for the psychoanalysis. But where does that stem from, Theo? This this long-standing well, age. Is it memories of nineteen ninety? Is it ninety six? Does it even go further back than that? Is it? What, what, I think when... it's. Not, I think it. Well, for me, I'm quite old, but I'm not quite old enough to remember the Second World War. But I do remember 1972. I would have been six years of age when they knocked us out the European Championships, which in those days wasn't even a tournament as such. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being very upset. They had a great team. They still had Gerd Müller and Beckenbauer and Wolfgang Oberart and Ger, uh, Gunter Netzer. Six years of age. I was absolutely devastated. Yeah. Then they, then it happened again. Of course in. Uh, 1990 was devastating. 96, I was in the ground when we lost that that uh, shootout. So, yeah, I think it was years of, um, yeah, psychological, psychological torture that's left its mark. 2010 always sticks in my mind because because England was so bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In that, 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 that's as a low point in just in terms. It's one of the few times we had a, you know, we had a fair goal. We had a decent, a perfectly yeah. good goal yeah. ruled out. And yet I still didn't feel bitter because we were... So it's amazing that that would have made it to all. But um, a few weeks ago, I played um, this brilliant clip, one of my favorite commentaries of all time, where it's Chris Waddle on Five Live commentating on that game, and he just loses the power of speech. He just gets (laughs) (laughs) you can't believe that it's clearly crossed the line. I mean, obviously, now that would be. But um, there you go, 1966 probably wouldn't have. My dad often, but like 1917, my dad remembers that. Like that, that's that's big for my dad, yeah, 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 yeah. and obviously 1939 to 45 as well, <laughs> yeah. exactly. We don't need to go all Stan Boardman, <laughs> no, no, bomb, bomb the dad's chip shop and all that. Uh, all right, Chloe, time for your segment. It's, it's another, it's another clip, uh, from a foreign commentary, just in case you're thinking, hang on, um, Guy Mowbray's uh, doesn't sound like I, I thought he did, but uh, what, what clip, what, what game are they watching here? <sighs> Yeah, 
I love that clip. Well, I think it's the fact that it's it's in a phone. It's clearly like in a phone. It's obviously like Arabic or something. But by the end, it's just it's become English because he's just going another goal, another goal, <laughs> another goal, another goal. Almost Partridge-esque as well. I'm not the day today because and another one. Yeah. <laughs> I have no other but theories. A few, a few, uh, a few clues you did. I said Arabic, so it's, well. It's, yeah, was it Saudi Arabia versus Argentina? It's not Saudi. No, it's not Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, in fairness, we covered that last week, I think. So that's so. It's from the last. It's from the last few days. That, um, was it Morocco? Was that Morocco's second? It was Morocco's oh, second. Of yeah, it was Morocco's second against Belgium. Um, did you see any of this game, Chloe? That's one of the ones that I didn't watch. I think there was some. Um, there were a couple of nil-nils on that day. Yeah. Uh, I'd watched a couple of nil-nils in quick succession and then all of the good games <laughs> I hadn't watched. So that was one that I missed. But yeah, I've I've um I've sort of watched highlights and I just think uh it's yeah, I guess it's the World Cup of the Aging squad, really, isn't yeah. it? Because I guess Belgium's Belgium golden awful. golden generation just haven't been able to 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 do the business and um still one of the best players in the Premier League. Yeah, but he's he's the best he's the best player in the Premier League. But he's he's going on record and saying the rest of the squad are past it. Yeah, yeah, player certainly in defence. But yeah, and and um, you know, and Batshuayi is clearly a bit of a step down from Lukaku. But yeah, it is extraordinary how how I mean they were they beat Canada, but they were shit in that game. They really were yeah, really lucky, aren't they? Yeah, is the suggestion that Martinez is a bad manager? Is that, is that... He's blown it. He's blown the golden generation because he's had them for years. He's been there about five or six years now, and he's, uh, you know, they weren't they weren't really old when he first turned up. They were in their yeah, prime, yeah. and he got the job on the back of failing dismally at Everton, and he got that job on the back of being relegated with Wigan Athletic. So he must do a hell of an interview. He must have a great PowerPoint when he goes into the old interview, and and he and he survived this long with every tournament. It seems to be where you say. Unfortunately, Belgium, the golden generation, just haven't been able to deliver. And you think, well, how often are they going to not deliver before the manager gets changed? And he he, he hangs on. Amazing. He can end up doing a, an inspirational speech alongside Phil Neville. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the the phrase golden generation never works out that well. I think that's the trick, isn't it? It's a bit like Crystal Palace, Chloe. You, you, you're probably too young to remember the team of the 80s. But it's when you get that label on you, uh, it never works out how it's meant to work out. I think, yeah, I obviously have um, been told extensively by my dad about the team of the 80s and um, what could have been. But, um, yeah, I think that, yeah, it's that classic thing of you can talk about potential, but it's when does the conversation start tipping over from like, oh, this is great potential to like, oh, now we've actually got to go and do the business. And I think sometimes you can get trapped in that, like that for, for like self-fulfilling prophecy of like, oh, we're the team that's up and coming. We're the team that's in progress. And then you forget to just do the business, you know? Well, the trouble is, and obviously with international, the trouble with international football is obviously the tournaments don't come around that quickly. Uh, you know, you've only got like those two tournaments, you know, you've got Nations League as well now, but um you know, it's not like you got, and there's only like one thing to win. It's not like you can go, oh well, we didn't win the league, but we picked up the league cup or we picked up an FA Cup along the way. Um, there's, you know, there's only ever one thing to win. That's the trouble. Yeah, it's so hard to win it because, like, you have to look at England's last two tournaments as relative success because, you know, 
once you get to a final, you've kind of done the big thing. And then it is just essentially like a throw of the dice. And um, it, yeah, it's very hard to close out that, that, that final match, you know? Mm. Belgium, uh, yeah, because I mean, Belgium obviously beat England last time in the semi. Uh, not in the semi, no, in the, in the group, the third and, and then in the third, fourth place. And then, they yeah. Were, yeah, they beat England twice. They were clearly a really good side, third best team in the world, what have you. And then, um, yeah, so they clearly obviously haven't, at least England seem to be on a slightly better footing than better trajectory, I would say, than Belgium. So I suppose getting back to your point at the start, Theo, maybe people shouldn't be too negative when you compare to how, you know, Belgium have progressed since uh, Russia four years ago. Well, they've just got all the same players. I mean, uh, Alderweireld and Vertonghen were absolutely majestic centre-backs at Tottenham Hotspur, but like six years ago. They were both pensioned off several years ago. Yeah. And here they are, you know, going into a, the World Cup thinking they can win the World Cup with these two guys who had been, you know, were surplus to requirements at Spurs, you know, a, a long time ago. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 a good point. So maybe we need to remember that. All right, final clip, uh, the round final clip of the show. For you, Steve, um, it's another foreign language one. Uh, have a listen to this. <laughs> I love that clip so much. So can you explain, give a bit of context of it? Because you might be just thinking, what the hell was going on there? So Chloe's clip was like, they're, they're, it's, it's Arabic. They're getting very excited. And this is just, they're so partisan. He's commenting on something bad is happening. He goes, uh. It sounded like he was slowly deflating. I know, it was. So it sounded like that, or a man having an orgasm or something. It was a very strange clip, which might have been all three of those things happening uh, at the same time. The disappointment is that a goal going in against Qatar? It's it's not against Qatar. It's against um, a, a, another Arab nation. Um, it was a momentous goal for one player uh, who had waited a very long time to score a goal in a World Cup. Lewandowski. It is Lewandowski's goal. That was. Did you see this? It was a mistake from um, the defender, and then Lewandowski uh, uh, nips in. And it's, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> really bad. Uh, I love I love that kind of part because you know we're like we're we're brought up particularly if you watch on the BBC we're and I, I I'm in New York at the moment so I'm watching mostly on Fox um, Sport but um, I love how you know obviously in the, on on the BBC we've been brought up with very you know they they try their hardest to be impartial mm. the commentators you know Barry Davis and and uh, Motson that you know they prided themselves in that. You know, and, we, and when you hear these, I love, it's always the, obviously we heard those Japanese commentators who are getting incredibly excited, but I like the fact when they get very upset. You know, yeah. <laughs> I remember you telling me once, I mean, we're going back years, that you um, you got talking to Barry Davis on a train. That is true. He was saying to you that the, the, he felt he gave himself away once in his career in his commentary. That the um that it's school that schoolboy's own stuff. Well, I, I, I certainly I don't remember him saying that to me, but uh, I remember that journey. But unless unless you're saying that I said that and I've forgotten, I think you told me at the time that, that you talked because obviously it's such an iconic bit, and 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 he'd said he felt it was the one he was disappointed in, in himself. I because he felt like he'd revealed too much about himself that he was so in his commentary. 
what, what, as a Spurs fan, was yeah, and I don't, I don't even know if he is a Spurs fan. I, I've always, I think that's, my memory yeah. of that was that yeah. he was purely because you'd said that, but but it, it sort of puts a different tinge on that schoolboy's own stuff. He's, he's that's that's Barry Davis's equivalent of get in there, you bastard. <laughs> it's a great. It, I was at that game bizarrely, Theo. Actually, my I, I went with uh, I mean I'm sport Liverpool, but actually I went with a, a Spurs fan to that game to Gaza's. Uh, Incredible semi-final against Arsenal. So we're talking about ninety-one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's schoolboy's own stuff. Barry Davis is rumored to be a Spurs fan, and I've tried to get him on my podcast, Life Goals, and I've had lots of commentators and stuff. And he said he wouldn't come on because he was he didn't feel he could do it without revealing some kind of bias, and he'd prided himself throughout his whole career on on keeping any uh, uh, remaining utterly uh, impartial. Yeah, but so well, even though he's retired, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's long yeah. retired. Yeah, and he was he really? would not reveal any kind of. It might have been an excuse, of course. Maybe he just thought I don't want going on that boxy podcast. But that was uh, that's what he said. He, he just couldn't possibly <laughs> risk it. We just outed him as a Spurs fan. Then this is we blown his. Well, he, yeah, but he didn't say to me that he was a Spurs fan. But that was always the rumor. He, he didn't say I don't want to. I don't want to reveal myself as a Spurs fan. It was no way he was going to tell me who he who he supported. But um, but he was always rumoured to be a Spurs fan. I don't know if that's based on that. Um, it's not much to go on, though, is it? Just by saying it's schoolboy's own stuff. I mean, anyone could have said that. He didn't say, get up, you know, have that Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He actually said a similar one in the uh, 2001 UA, uh, UEFA Cup final when Robbie Fowler scores. He says something almost uh, identical to the it's schoolboy's own stuff. Um so he kind of went back. He went back to the well, basically, and thought, "I've got material up my sleeve." I'll. Uh... I like my favourite commentator of all time. Uh, has always will be, uh, I'm sure, uh, David Coleman. Just because you th- there's you can't then accuse you can't there's there's no kind of like bias or anything when you just go. He he would commentate like Messi scores an amazing goal, you know, to break the deadlock against Mexico, and he would just go Messi one nil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you do that, you can't. There's nothing to, you know. Yeah, you once played me a clip of Coleman commentating on the 1976 100 meters Olympics final, where he speaks so quickly, sounds like he's auctioning cattle. <laughs> There's an amazing yeah. To have a look for it, it listeners, if you try and uh, um, find it on YouTube. There's, if, I think there's a there's like a month. There's a somewhere on YouTube. There is. Um, all like the there's like 10 hundred meter finals in a row and so you'll find this one but he was so he was a bit younger at the time he's so verbally dexterous he you actually it's almost like a python sketch you cannot not one word is intelligible i would say for the first 80 meters and then at 80 <laughs> meters the only words that are intelligible are and crawford comes through <laughs> Amy Crawford winning the 100 metres. But apart from that, it's just this absolute... Gu- he he is speaking at the same speed they are running, basically. <laughs> wonderful man. Uh, wonderful man. But that, that's my favourite commentator ever. Um, do, you, do you find... I'm curious, actually, because I, I, we're these... Um, me, Steve and Theo, these three old bastards uh, reminiscing about uh, commentators from like the 60s and 70s and 80s, maybe. In my mind commentators now just aren't as iconic and are just a bit shit. But is that me just being an old curmudgeonly bastard? And are you going to tell me 
oh, you know, when you're my age, you're going to be talking about Guy Mowbray in the same way and Sam Matterface. No, I, I don't think I, I don't think we will be talking about Sam Matterface in those terms. I think the last we've got really is, and this is the I can't eat, these names left me. Um, who's um, and it's live, Tyler. Tyler, yeah. My Tyler. I would say he's probably my most iconic one. I think Andy Gray could have been if he wasn't um, uh, a sexist, racist, misogynist. Um, but I think it's probably like because the consumptionist of football is so like far reaching now and it's like, you know, you can watch all of the games and it you can consume it via like clips and sound bites and all of this kind of stuff. I just think it's becoming like everything else in the media where we're just like everyone's consuming like the bit that they want. So it's not so like we're all watching the game, you know, at, at, at yeah. on BBC One at 5.30 or whatever. Um, but I do think that that means we're getting like a new specific thing, which is like the the like personality pundit, where because they're all sort of fighting for that thing to be viewed, I think we're getting like, I think it will be people like Jamie Carragher and Roy Keane and Gary Neville and Graham Souness and all of their big arguments that we will remember. And I also think we'll remember like co-commentators like Ali McCoist and, and stuff like that, because I, yeah, that feels like a, like a new trend where, to get away with the like lack of be of of or, or the, the the like the partial uh, the impartiality sorry they get in like a co-commentator who can be like the kind of the cheeky boy who's who's a bit more impartial and some people are really good at that and then you'll see some people like Dion Dion Dublin or Jermaine Genus who are the most boring men that you'll ever listen to in your entire life. But Michael Richards, I know some people like him. I find he I find he just laughs a lot. But beyond that, I what don't it is him. is um. Like it's like Neville would take Labour, Labour side. Carragher would take Tory side. He's like the Lib Dems in the middle. He's just he's just there to sort of like go, <laughs> just be a centrist. Yeah, well, just that, that... Re respond to these two sparring partners. Exactly. I'm, I can't believe Carragher's going to keep being a conservative, but they're really because there's a real sort of. There's a sexual chemistry between them, Keen and Sunes. Keen and Sunes. So, so that it's they're arguing, but there's a real. I could, I would love to see them on like a road trip together, discussing which. And again, both terrible man, both brilliant footballers and terrible football managers. Well, he. I mean, you're a Southampton fan, Steve, and and as manager of Southampton, Sunes was responsible for possibly the greatest moment, bringing on Ali Deer for. That is that that will never happen. I was talking, I was I was actually showing a clip of, of that to a friend last week. Um, because it is just so extraordinary the idea. I, I why are we talking about it? I think we we're talking about it because um watching the USA game, uh not the USA England, but the, the USA uh Wales game, and they've also got the son of George Weyer. Um and I was thinking, but is he the son of George Weyer? Maybe a man pretending to be George Weyer phoned up the USA manager and said, I've got a boy here. His dad is George Weyer. He's really good. <laughs> that worked for Southampton. It's, it's extraordinary. In the current state of Southampton, I'm wondering if 11 people have claimed to be uh, George Weyer's cousin. As well. 
<laughs> well, there has to be uh, nearly the end. We're, you know, this is football, so we have to have winners. There has to be winners. There has to be losers. I think because he's he's stolen a few. He's he's answered his own, but he's also actually stolen a few. Going to give this to Steve Hall for what it's worth. Uh, well done, Steve. Commiserations to uh, Theo and Chloe. But thank you to all my guests. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, speak to you today. Enjoy the football uh, over the next uh, week. Join me again next Monday when I'll be joined by three more great guests. Uh, I'm Ashley Blake. And just remember, they may have lost to Japan and they may only have scraped the goal against Spain, but never write off to Germans. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.